This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. 2018 was also a big year for massive corporate mergers that will change our tech and media landscape. AT&T won its case against the Justice Department to finalize its $85 billion acquisition of Time Warner. And Time Warner owns HBO, CNN, and other Turner networks. So get ready for your AT&T service to push more content from Time Warner programming. Trade wars, big trade wars, always the last step before big hot wars. For Generation Lockdown, the question is no longer if it could happen, as much as when it will. Was there a part of you that was like, this isn't real, this isn't, this would not happen in my school? No, there wasn't. Why so? It's been happening everywhere. I felt, I've always kind of felt like eventually it was going to happen here too. I wasn't surprised, I was just scared. A generation that knows no matter how forcefully they chant never again, Their experience suggests it most probably will. This year, more people have been killed in school shootings than members of the military have been killed while serving. I shouldn't be going through this at my school. Shots were still going off when I came out of the room. I believe he's still alive. Suspected gunmen now pinned on the third floor of the synagogue. Yeah, they have him confined to the third floor of that synagogue. Just about every uh, police officer in the city has been called. Eleven killed, six wounded. The deadliest anti-Semitic attack in the history of the United States. Media figures, adults, smart people who've been around, who have perspective or did have perspective, they don't anymore. They've succumbed to Trump hatred that is so intense it has destroyed their judgment and in some cases affected their character. I see it all the time. Hate, it distorts your view of reality. In the end, it blinds you completely. And that's where the American media are right now, stumbling around in a sightless rage, screaming. This morning in New Delhi, activists hold their breath. Given the history, genuinely didn't know what way the Supreme Court decision would go. It went this way. The court unanimously overruled a judgment from five years ago that upheld a colonial era law under which gay sex was defined as, quote, an unnatural offence. Today's ruling amounted to the decriminalisation of gay sex. No one can call Ireland a conservative country now. This is the moment it became official. The counting complete, confirmation the Irish people had decisively voted to include same-sex marriages in their constitution. Not long after the count started, because the earliest results pointed to a big voter turnout and a powerful call to treat gay couples equally under the law. I identify as a queer, gender non-conforming intersex person. I identify as a black intersex man. Intersex is not new. It's been around since the beginning of human existence. Transgender has to deal with your gender identity, whereas intersex has to deal with your biological characteristics. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. Today I'm bringing back a 
previous podcast I did with Pastor Tom Parrish. Tom has been influential in my life in terms of the things that he thinks about, his worldview, and how he frames things from the scriptures. This particular podcast had a commentary to it that really assessed 2018. But things have not changed much. If not, they've gotten worse in 2019. We are in a revolutionary war again, and this war is for the soul of our nations, and our churches seem to be oblivious to it. Perhaps every pastor should read about the Black Robe Regiment, the preachers who were so instrumental in securing our independence from English rule. Perhaps you should Google the Black Robe Regiment. Interesting, fabulous historical information on how preachers and churches were ready to not only defend independence, but fight for it. As Christians, we also have a tyranny of oppressors presently. Much like the Revolutionary War, as Christians today, we have a tyranny of oppressors. Yes, it is not the British rule as it was back in 1776, but the devil hates us and will do anything to rob, steal, and destroy from us. He is using the liberal left to do his part of the bidding against us, and we are clueless to that agenda. So that is why I'd like to revisit our conversation I had with Pastor Tom Parrish about the responsibility of Christian leaders in the church to address the issues that I feel are at the core of the battle for the soul of America. Well, today I have with me Pastor Tom Parrish, and Pastor Tom has been a writer. He's still a writer, actually. He's a historian. He has served five pastorates around the Twin Cities. Pastor Tom, I've been wanting to talk to pastors about 2018, and we saw that in 2018, tech industry is growing like leaps and bounds, schools shootings, synagogue shootings, Trump hatred, all kinds of things that the news has produced over the last 12 months. So as you as a pastor look back at 2018, what do you see? And are there signs in 2018 that might give us some clue at what might be ahead in 2019 and beyond? You know, you've asked a really good question that I've struggled with quite a bit in my ministry and just in life. And what I'm seeing, Larry, is this, that as we have drifted further and further and further away from Christianity and its influence on this country, this country has opened up every door to the demonic be possible. What I mean by that is, is that suicide is up among teens. We've got marriage has lost its definition. The government's in trouble. Uh, There is hatred like I've never seen before in politics. And I study history extensively, and I have never seen this kind of hatred, even in history like we're seeing today. And it's because there's no longer any values. There's no longer any objective truth. There's no longer uh, any reality for people. And so people are kind of making it up as they go. And the result is that everybody's got a different opinion on what ought to be done. And the truth in Jesus Christ is being ignored even in the church. Well, I think that's the biggest change that we have seen, uh, not only in 2018, but for the last decade or so. I wrote a blog recently, and I said that one of the largest corporations, if the church was a corporation, It would be the largest corporation in America because we have 1,600 outlets for media. We have 400,000 churches, and there is Christian school 
holes everywhere, right? And so if we were to combine all these together, we'd be a huge influence, yet we're not, Tom. Why? Well, we can't get on the same page. Here's the problem. We have such freedom in our belief system in Christ that everybody kind of does their own thing. What I've been disturbed with is that I do a lot on Facebook, I get on the internet, I interact with people all over the world, and it's predominantly the Western people, not in the East, not not in the, the Africa or elsewhere, but in the West that I interact with, that kind of have a Jesus of their own imagination. They make up the Jesus or take the parts of him they want for their political agenda, for their worldview, to justify their life or what they're pursuing, and they will quote him readily. But it's not the same Jesus that you and I know when you really get down and study the Bible, and we're losing it at an enormous rate, and that's the tragedy. So where do we put, if there is to be blame, maybe that's a bad term, but somehow we need to make some corrections, and if it's the corrections in the church or in our theology to where we're making Jesus sort of like you say, a Jesus of our imaginations, how do we turn the clock back to a Jesus that is biblical if we can? One of my biggest challenges is to get people to actually read the Bible, not just parts of it, not just quotes they've heard from somebody else, but to actually read it. Here's what I found out in my experience. And this is a true story. I remember years ago, early in my ministry, I had an aeronautical engineer who said she didn't believe in anything. She was an atheist. Her husband, also being an aeronautical engineer, came to our church. And he said, sometime I'd like you to come talk with my wife, who's an atheist. And I said, well, I'd be happy to do that. He said, how about Friday? (laughs) So Friday, I wound up at the house. We started at 7 o'clock. Here it is now, 11 o'clock. And I'm not getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me as I'm backing up from the table. I'm ready to leave. I'm just pushing back from the table. It's like a light bulb went on. And I looked at her and I said, how many jet engines have you built in your life? She said, oh, hundreds. I said, how many have you built without looking at the specs or the blueprints? She said, impossible. Can't be done. I said, isn't that interesting? You've never looked at the specs about Jesus, have you? You've never really looked deeply at the Word. And she said, what do I do? And I got her into the Gospel of John, and she spent three months reading through the Gospel of John over and over. At the end of three months, she got on her knees and received Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's not the end of the story. A year later, her husband is on a flight going out to Seattle, the Boeing plant. He has a massive heart attack on the airplane and dies. He's 44. She's 40-something. They got two kids at the funeral. She stood up and said, if this had been a year ago, I'd be the most bitter woman on the face of the earth. But I met Jesus this year, and I don't like what happened. It hurts, but I know my husband is alive in the kingdom, and I'll join him one day. For me, Larry, that has determined my entire ministry and way of thinking for the last 35 years. So that is a great positive way of thinking. So, you know, instead of spending so much time on what has been, what what can be in 2019 and beyond? I mean, we can have more of the same kind of filth and same kind of trash that is out there in our news and on our television and on the internet. But what do we as believers, how do we maneuver and navigate through it so that we can actually make a difference like you just related, but also that we can keep a positive attitude? What do we do? I think we first have to understand who we're serving and why we're here. I think that's the biggest thing right there. Matter of fact, the last church I served for a year as an interim, I had five girls in what we called confirmation. They didn't have a clue where Matthew was compared to Luke or Mark or any of the books of the Bible. But over a year, I really emphasized two things over and over, their identity in in Christ because of their faith in Him, and I'd helped each one of them make a commitment to Jesus. Because of their faith in Him, this is who you are now. You're a daughter of the King. You have a purpose in life. And then we honed in on that purpose. We looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 
to 21. And that's where it says that we are ministers of the gospel, ambassadors of reconciliation. What blew me away is that after my term ended there about a year ago, one of the mothers called and said, can you and Jan come for dinner? We did. After dinner, the family, the girls went outside, including this girl that was in my class. And she said, you need to know what what your class did to my daughter this year. I said, what do you mean? She said, Friday, I got a call from the public school teacher and said, we just gave your daughter a quiz the other day and all the kids on their future and what they're to do with their life. Do you know what your daughter wrote? Mom says, well, no, I don't know what she wrote. Public school teacher said, we were blown away. I showed it to every teacher in the school. Your daughter wrote down, I am an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is my purpose in life. And the teacher said she'd never seen anything like that before. We have to help, first of all, Christians understand who they are and why they're here. And that's the big thing. Secondly, we have to talk about Jesus as though we know him. I mean, we don't do that in Christianity. He's a personal Lord. We talk about him as though he's an abstract, you know, or that he's got a set of rules or that he just wants to give us grace, where we need to talk about him in personal terms. And I find when I do that with people, whether I'm at the restaurant, whether I'm at Walmart or wherever, you know what? People will talk to me, and we can have a conversation. I think that's great, Tom. And I know you're working on some projects to look forward to in uh, in the new year and the years to come. Tell us a little bit about some of the projects you're working on and why. Why have you chosen those themes? A couple of things I've been working on. I took that experience from that church with these five young girls who all came to know they were ambassadors of the gospel. And I turned that into a kind of a, a mini program, a four-week program for churches, And I've done it as cheaply as I can possibly get away with. The goal is real simple. My goal is for churches to teach these truths continually, not just a four-week course, but continually to the young people. Can you imagine if every young girl ages 12 and 13, discovered her identity in Christ and that she's an ambassador of the gospel, how that would affect her dating life, how that would affect who she marries, how that would affect her vocation one day, and same thing is true for young men. That's part of what I'm working on right now. So I'm developing that, and I'm actually working on a book to go along with that that helps us identify who we are and why we're here. And then beyond that, I'm doing a lot of additional writing on Facebook, on the Internet, and got other materials that I'm working on to help give Christians practical tools for talking to unbelievers. And especially, I'm working on material on how to disciple Muslims who come to Christ. Because even in this country, Larry, they're starting to have dreams and visions of Jesus, and they don't know what to do after they meet him. We need to know what to do with them. Absolutely. And so, Tom, I love your Facebook articles when I've read them. I think they're just right on. So how do people find you, Tom, both on Facebook and perhaps your website address? Sure. Facebook, it's real easy. I'm just under Reverend Tom Parrish. They put my name in, it'll pop right up. But my website, which has everything on it that you need, is just real simple, www.toeternity2eternity.org. And that opens you up to everything I've written, everything I'm doing. Matter of fact, that Gospel of John, I actually put into a process that a person goes through in 21 days. There's one question and one challenge every day. That's a free download off my website. You can go there right now, download it free. It doesn't cost you a penny. You have no obligation to me, but you challenge your friends. Will you take this 21-day challenge? Thomas, before I let you go, I want you to give one challenge to those that are listening. I'd encourage them by telling them that they were created for more than what they're doing. They were created not simply to be a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or a plumber or whatever else. They were created to be ambassadors of the gospel and that this world is not going to change through science or it's not going to change through technology or just because everybody gets equal rights, although those things are important. They're going to change by meeting Jesus and we're the ones that help that happen. Now you can't change your past. 
but Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong are forgiven. What do you have to do? You have to repent of your sins. That means to be willing to change your way of living. You may have no power to do it, but if you surrender to Christ, he'll give you the power. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. Come to Christ. He will give you a new strength and a new power and a new joy and a new peace and a purpose for living. Every person that ever lived has to make the same choice. It's either the world and its pleasures and its gods or it's Christ. Which is it for you? Who are you choosing? Thanks for listening. For more information, go to citysidesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network. 